Good morning, everyone. How's everyone this morning doing, all right? Good? Sun shining. We've had multiple days of good weather. So you better remember those because it's probably going to snow in two weeks, so it's all right. Welcome to Cleveland. Say good morning to your neighbor. And uh, I know she's going to love it, but everybody say good morning to Letitia this morning. She's here. Good morning. Yep. Well, we're going to stand up here this morning, and you guys can, like, sing to us. We're going to do it, like, opposite. Yeah. We will put the words up on the screen for you, but whatever key you choose, that's up to you. It's not reverse osmosis, it's reverse worship. That's what we're doing this morning. Are you excited? We are. We can take the morning off. Nothing? I mean, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Okay. At least I thought it was worth a guffaw. All right. Well, good morning, Mike Reese. You're, you're a dear friend of mine. Maybe you and I can have service this morning. Now, we are so happy to see everybody. Everybody online, too, welcome. How many people need a fresh touch of Jesus this morning? I know I do. We had a great weekend. We were really busy. We had a rummage sale. And that's all I'm going to say about that. No, we did really well. Um, it's a it's a big fundraiser for our Christmas for Kids program. I think it I think it is or outreaches. Yeah. Um, but it's neat to see people coming together. We had a lot of volunteers come and help. And this place didn't look like this yesterday, so it was good. Um, let's pray. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit to come. And whatever you need this morning, I just, my prayer even driving in this morning, like we we want an expectation. Like this isn't just a time to come together as corporate. And it's amazing, and I love coming together corporately. But what is it that either you've been crying out for? What is it that you want the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart about this morning? So we just ask that. We say, come Holy Spirit. We're going to sing about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. We just thank you, Jesus, that it'll never be anything that we do, but it'll be everything that you do. And your faithfulness to each one of us. So let's not leave here the same way we came today, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Change us. Love us feed into us, maybe even shake us this morning. We love you, and we are amazed just about your radical love for each one of us. So thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So if you feel like getting to your feet, you can do uh, whatever kind of uh, worship position you want. Although we don't, well, we could encourage standing on your head, but do it in the back of the church, please. That would be all right. Yeah, I know Anne-Marie, she's an avid handstander. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just come Holy Spirit. As we sing out 
So I get a, I get a sense that God's working in some people's hearts, and I don't want to neglect ministry time because it's not the end of a service on a Sunday morning. Um, so if you feel God working in your heart in this song, I feel like some people struggle with feeling like they deserve things or feeling like they're worth anything, and God says, 
even when you felt worthless, I still went to the cross for you because it doesn't matter what you're worth because you're mine, which means you're worth so much more than you could ever imagine. So if that's you, I just encourage you, please like, be bold and ask someone next to you to pray for you or just let somebody know so that you can get prayer because that's what this community is about, right? So we're going we're gonna to sing the chorus one more time over you guys. Um, but please don't leave here carrying that with you. That's not what this, this is for. So please, please talk to somebody. just going to take a risk and uh, there's a lady back on this side of the room she's in yellow I think she's next to Deb um, first of all I see just the Holy Spirit over you just really pouring into you and the words I hear are that he sees your battle and he knows your battle and he wants you to stop battling. It's his fight. It's not your fight. And I don't know what's going on. Maybe nothing's going on and I'm way off the mark. But the reality is that he wants, he wants you to surrender. And it's so strong over you right now that like, he doesn't even want you to have the strength to stand. 
and that he'll give you that strength. But I just see the battle, like whatever that battle is right now, just give it away. Just give it away. Just Holy Spirit, more of you, more of you to just change this lady's life right now. Just give her strength. Whatever armor you've put on, he's taking it off because it's not the armor that he wants you to wear. Whatever weapons you feel like you've had to have in your hands, whatever position you think you've needed to take up to this point, and whatever you think you walls you've built around you, they're coming down because they're not his walls. Just pray just for lightness and freedom over you in the name of Jesus right now. Just come, Holy Spirit. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. This is for you right here. There's no walls you won't kick down, lies you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. No walls you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Just more of you. And whoever else needed or is wanting that prayer or has just been crying out on the inside. We pray more Holy Spirit over that. More Holy Spirit. take time to do this sometimes when we feel like the spirit is moving so sometimes when my my fingers don't stop playing the guitar we figure god might be doing something so if that's strange for you i'm sorry but we worship the holy spirit and think that he's alive today amen together after our uh, great, what was it? Roman style. Okay, great. (laughs) 
record time, too. So thanks for everyone volunteering. Um, and there's some baked goods on the information center. Uh, donations go to all the ministries. So get a treat on the way out. And we're glad to see you. I went off script, sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Pastor Brent's message today is Weapons of Warfare, Taking Thoughts Captive, found in Corinthians 2, 10, 1 through 16. Grab your Bible or cell to look up today's text. You can also find it in your bulletin, along with a section for taking notes. The Food Resource Center is back on this week, Monday and Tuesday. We need volunteers, so come on, show up. We'll put you to work. Never short on work here. Um, if you would like to know more about spiritual warfare, you're invited to attend the Ministry Deliverance Workshop held this Saturday, June 10th, from 12.30 to 2.30 here at the church. In this workshop, you will be giving a biblical foundation for dealing with demons and demonic activity. It's real. There will be time to ask questions as well as prayer time. If you plan on attending, please sign up in the lobby or see Jackie Brown. Okay, we got some great updates for Building for the Future. Um, phase one, we raised $25,119, um, and there's a breakdown. We're $2,572 over budget, so keep those pledges coming in, and don't forget if you um, give money, write it in the memo under construction. Uh, phase two is coming. I don't know if I'm going out of order. These are really small. Phase two is coming with an estimated 2,200 no, no, 22,000. 22,200 would be really great. <laughs> 22,572. Man, it's been a long time since I've done math. <laughs> so we need 10,000 for the um, awning that you see when you come in. That's really in need of repair. Concrete pads for the dumpster. If anyone's ever looked over there, when they come and pick it up, they kind of like build holes. So um, heating and air condition for our front office and lobby. That was supposed to be done in phase one, but it didn't happen. We really need that to happen. Um, and, you know, the 2500 to make up because we were over budget. But good things are happening. We're making improvements and... Oh, I think I missed, that's the one I missed, right? We did the trim, we did sound and AV, and the blacktop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, and there's inserts in your bulletin. So look them over. If you have questions, ask anyone on the task force. Um, and then there's no youth group next week. Wah, wah. Um, me and Marvin are both out of town, and with that, there's a uh, shameless plug that if you ever feel like volunteering and wanting to try it out, no commitment needed, just come see what volunteering with our Kingdom Kids or youth group is about. Um, we're always in need of people. We hate having to cancel Sunday with our kids because life happens. So, so no youth group next week. Our next Women's Brunch and Workshop, What the Woman Saw, is coming Saturday, June 17th. In this section, we'll look at three different women that Jesus held in Luke chapter 8. 
The studies are independent, so you don't have to have attended any before. Sign up in the lobby. Um, and this month we are having a giant salad bar. Giant. Sign up for ingredients to bring if you can. A night of evening and worship, drenched, Saturday, June 17th, 10 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Seven, what? What? Okay. Oh, did I say 10 p.m.? Okay. <laughs> we may be, the spirit may be working until 10 a.m. I'm prophesizing. <laughs> no, 10 p.m. Oh, boy. Get, get me off this mic. Martha, come on up. Morning. Morning. I want you to think back. I want you to think back on the very first time you walked into this building. And um, some of us, that was very recent. Some of us, that was quite a while ago. The Swaffield family, my family, minus Chris, because he wasn't born yet, our date was April 12, 2009. And I remember because it was Easter Sunday, we were nervous about coming into a new church. And, but we were greeted warmly, which was so important. Everyone needs to feel welcome because everyone you meet is dealing with something that you have no idea what it is. And so they need to be greeted really warmly. Uh, first impressions are so important. Everyone needs to be greeted with the smile of Jesus. What an honor to, to give someone else the smile of Jesus. We don't want anyone to feel unwelcome. Sometimes they never come back to the vineyard or any other church either. That would be a tragedy. If you feel led to be a greeter, if you didn't know that's where I was headed, if you let, feel led to be a greeter, please come and speak to me. I always have this, I will always have this little tablet with me or have it close by. If you have any questions, don't, don't hesitate to ask me. All you need to be is friendly and kind. Uh, greeting goes from 9.30 in the morning before, and then it ends right when worship ends. Um, I believe that you will be richly blessed if you decide you want to do this. Thank you. And don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up in the back of the sanctuary. You can donate on our church website or Facebook. Thank you. Uh, we were really glad that you're all here this morning. Beautiful, beautiful morning, beautiful week. I've been spending the last couple of days laying underneath a stubborn car in the 
probably thinking I'm 21 when I'm only like, I'm really like 43 or something. So my body, my body's like, ah. Uh. So um, today we're going to continue. This is actually the last in the series that we've been talking about in spiritual warfare. And it's specifically on, it's, it's, it's a specific situation Paul's dealing with with the church um, in Corinth. I'm really thankful for the church in Corinth. Corinth was like this big center place, a big, one of the big known uh, cities in Paul's day, and it was central to commerce and ideas and everything else, and it was really kind of a mess. I mean, it was like just very corrupt and all kinds of goofy stuff. And one of the things that happens sometimes is what's out there comes in here. You know, we bring it with us. We come from that background, and sometimes our faith and our, our relationship with Jesus gets mixed in. They kind of get mixed in together. They call that syn- syncretism, and uh, that's usually not a very good thing. And so in this particular case, people had underestimated Paul because he, was, he just seemed kind of plain. He was kind of shorter and he was, you know, he, people felt like he was just, you know, like this gentle, humble guy. And, and they had had these, like, superstars come in, these superstar speakers come in that had, like, you know, they had nice hats and they, and they wore cool, shiny boots and they, you know, were able to captiv- captivate crowns. And they had, they had little sequin things on all over um, it was amazing. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody from Las Vegas. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, that, that was an, it became an issue for Paul. And, and, and sometimes we don't, we don't realize that, that what, you know, what or who somebody really is. And we, we also don't realize sometimes that, that what we're looking for and the things that sometimes become very popular, even among Christian Circles are things that God is not really about. Um, It's funny. Paul in in here has to defend the fact that he is an apostle, that he does have power, that he he has to spend the next few chapters doing that. It reminded me a little bit of that movie. Many years ago, there was a movie called Taken, you know, with Liam Neeson. You know, they take his wife or his daughter or somebody or his wife and his daughter. It depends on which one. If it was taken volume 23, then they took his cat or something. And there's, anyway, but the first one, you know, actually was kind of good because everybody's like, oh, yeah. You know, because they call him up and he goes, I have a certain set of skills and you've messed with the wrong person. And, and to a certain extent, that's kind of a little bit what Paul's saying here. He's saying, you know what? I, I have some skills, and uh, just because I, I'm not bringing them out all the time doesn't mean I can't stand toe-to-toe with these guys that you're, you know, lifting up. Um, I actually, I did that. We, we happened to go to that movie once with, with um, Bethany and one of her, it was her boyfriend she had at the time. And when we got out, I just turned him half-jokingly and half-seriously, and he said, I, I just so I said, you know, I, I, I look like a pastor, and I am a pastor, and I look like, you know, you probably think, oh, he's really nice, and he just does nice things and stuff. And I said, I didn't always do nice things. I said, 
I said I used to do really bad things, and I still remember those things, so don't hurt my daughter. So <clears throat> I just kind of left it like that. Um, he, for some reason, they're not going out anymore. I'm not sure why. Um, anyway, so um, the, the, the main thrust of what Paul's getting at here is a term that that's, we're not super familiar with, or if we are familiar with it, we think of it as a negative, and it's the term meekness or humility. And it's, in the Greek, it's prowess, prowess, not prowess, but I can't say it. But anyway, it um, starts with a P and ends with an S in Greek. And, and what it means is it's actually used as a term for, for a, a, a horse that's really strong, that has immense capabilities, but is also under control, is submitted to the rider. And so back in those days when they were... You know, when they would have horses in the Roman army, um, it didn't really do them much good if they had a horse that was really fast and really powerful if it didn't do what the rider wanted, if it just kind of did what it, what it wanted to do without direction. What made a, a, a horse really amazing, a war horse really amazing, was when, um, and I used to ride horses sometimes, I never got good at this, but... Um, I know people that are really good at horse riding, and if you have a really good horse, you can just make small gestures, and the horse and the, the rider almost become like one. And they, they kind of move in one motion. And so what, what this passage is about is, is, um, is that word meekness. And meekness means power under control. It doesn't mean like somebody who just, you know, like, oh, I'm just meek, you know, I'm not going to... You know, and it, and it, it, it you know, f- f- again, I, I run into that sometimes too. We were, one time we were um, doing a food pantry, and a gentleman came in, and he was starting to get. It was when we used to do the choice pantry, and so people would come in and wait. And there was a gentleman that came in, that started using the N word. He was he was a white guy, and he was using the N word, and and um, I don't know if Denise or somebody had asked him not to, and then he did it again, so. He, she asked me, and I asked him not to. And the third time he did it, he, you know, he was going on and on about, oh, it's, uh, it's okay, look at it, everybody uses it. And I'm like, no, we don't. We don't use it at our food pantry. Well, we, it's not okay here, and we get to make those rules. And so he got really mad, and I heard him kind of mutter on his way out, I'm going to go home and get my gun. And I was like, I was like, and I, and I just happened to be, it was one of those days when I was in a, I call it kind of a pissy mood. Um, and so I follow him out to his truck, and he has this, one of those trucks with like lights everywhere, you know, it's a pickup truck with lights everywhere and all that stuff. And I'm calling the Wycliffe police, and he gets in his truck, and he has his window down, and I stick my head as far as I can, and I grab his steering wheel, and he goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, you just said you're going to come back here and shoot a bunch of people, and I'm not going to let you. And he's like, let go, let go, let go. And I said, you know, I was like, chicken. <laughs> I mean, I call him a chicken, but, you know, and I think there was there's an assumption. It's a church. This guy's a pastor. He's not going to get in my face. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll get in your face if I need to, if I have to protect people. Do you understand? And that's what Paul's saying here. 
He's saying that there's power under control. And that's what God calls us to. He calls us to be people. He calls us to be people who are meek. And so, um, let me just read the text. It's in, it's in 2 Corinthians t- uh, 10, verses 1. And I'm going to actually go through verse 11. It's not in, in your uh, bulletin, but it says, by the, and remember this, in this context, we have to remember, Paul's already being accused of, of not of just being kind of not a great speaker, He's short, he's balding, you know, he's, he, he's not a great communicator. That's what they were accusing him of because they had these really hot shot speakers. It sounds familiar to today, doesn't it? You know, it sounds a lot like today. We have superstar Christians, which, you know, the sad thing is when, when the superstar Christian leaves or something, or they fall or whatever, the people who are following them end up falling away because we don't want to be following. I don't want you to be following me. I want you to be following Jesus. And so by humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. That's what they were saying about it. He's using irony here in case you're wondering. He says, I who am timid when, <laughs> and he said, and then we'll get into this in a minute, but isn't that an interesting way to start out uh, a dialogue with somebody who's accusing you of being timid and meek? How does he, how does he approach it? Timidly and meekly. I, Paul, who am, t- uh, who am timid face to face but bold towards you when you were away, I beg that when I come, you may not, um, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. And one of the problems that was having, they were having in the church again is that they were taking the values, and not just, he's not just, ta- he is talking about sexual values and other moral values and stuff like that, but he's also talking about the value of, of power and of hierarchy and of social status and of, you know, creating heroes and stuff like that. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once, once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I don't want... I don't want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. Some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that we are in our letters when we are absent, and we will be in our actions when we are present. So, Father, help us in, in our day, too, of so much, 
so many letters that can happen through our phones and through our computers and through all kinds of ways, Lord, even through our wristwatches. And, uh, we, Lord, we communicate in so many ways. Lord, help us not to prejudge people, um, but help us to, to hear your voice and to be sensitive to, to those and to whom you're, you're working with and through. And uh, help us to have ears to hear, I pray, Jesus. Amen. It seems kind of funny for us to think about the Apostle Paul not really being uh, listened to when he was around, doesn't it? When you read his letters and stuff and you go, what? You didn't listen to the Apostle Paul? Why would you not listen to him? And, and it was because the, the church kind of looked like the world. And people just didn't respond to that. And, and, and part of the reason Paul was that way, part of the reason that he was uh, so, what I would call meek or humble, wasn't that it was his very nature. We kind of know that, right? Have you ever read Paul? He's, he's not, he's not, he's, it, when, he, when they first bring Paul on the scene, he's out killing Christians. You know, that was kind of his role. He thought he was doing God's will by killing Christians. And so that's how he starts out. He starts out as a, as a zealot for Judaism, and he starts out by killing Christians. And so part of what God was doing, I think, was saying, hey, here's a wild stallion. I'm going to break him. You know what break him means? Breaking a horse means that you train him. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus got a hold of me, he had to break me. I was just a little bit wild. <laughs> and I was a little bit stubborn. I still am a bit stubborn. But one of the things that Jesus did when, when, when I said yes to God, and it was like God kept sending all these people to me. You know, It, it was so funny. It was like this. I had gotten sober, and I'd been sober a couple years, and I was starting to wonder about who this God was. And all of a sudden in my life, it was like super annoying. And all of a sudden at my job, there were all these Christians. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know there was so many Christians in the whole world. And they all started showing up at my job. One of his name was Peter and Peggy. And then there was this other girl that was actually cute that I liked, and she was a Christian. And then... And then I even switched jobs, and at that job, then there was a, Teresa was there, and there, were a, there was this other Christian lady there, and I'm like, man, oh man, you know. And and it, it was kind of fun for me because I like to argue with Christians and fight with them, you know, like not fight like, well, Teresa and I did that. No, no, we didn't. Um, but I, you know, I used to do that all the time, and so this kind of went on for a while. In what what. Part of what God was doing was there, there were some things in my life that, that I was having a hard time saying yes to God about. And I realized that becoming a Christian wasn't just something I said to give me passage into heaven. I realized that I was, cha- I was doing a, a change of lordship from myself, really, because I was my own lord, or I thought I was. I really wasn't. I realized that drugs and alcohol were my lord for a long time, and then girls were my lord for a long time, and then I, I don't know what else. But it was a transfer of that to this God. And so when I said yes to Jesus, it was saying, yes, I'm yours. It was like, 
it was like you know being a, being used to being a wild stallion and finally just under his you know him jumping on and and you know going and and learning as i as i walked with him learning to feel the nudges of his direction in my life and one of the things that happens with that is that we do become more like him we begin looking more like him we begin acting more like him i don't always act like him but we do we become more like jesus we 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 become what can from the outside can look like timid you know we used to get it was funny we used to get accused i probably still do i don't know i don't i don't really listen to like what the outside christian world says a whole lot but for a long time, when, we first, when I first came here and Tom Wadsworth was on staff and stuff, people used to warn people about going here. And uh, some of you are going, oh, I should have thought of that before I came here. But anyway, and so one day I just asked one of the people who was telling me that. They said, you know, we went to this other church and they said, oh, you shouldn't go there. And I said, well, what did they, did they say why? And they said, yeah, they said because you, you wore sandals without socks. And I'm like, hmm, well, that's... Yeah, I was right here in Genesis 5 somewhere, I think it says that. So, and, and, but then some of the other stuff that I've, I've gotten over the years is that you're not, you're not er enough. You don't, basically, you don't beat us up enough. And I'm like, really? Yeah, when I go to church, I don't really want to get beat up. I kind of need to hear something from God that gives me some hope. I don't mind getting challenged. I don't mind getting other things, but I don't want to sit there and have somebody just whatever at me all the time. You know, and I've recognized over time that that um, I, I, it's never come natural or comfortable to me to, to speak in front of groups of people. That's not, like, natural for me. It's, um, I get really anxious and really nervous. You can ask my wife. And, um, and yet that's part of what God had called me to do. Because he told me many years ago, you know, in your weakness, you'll be strong. I'm going to use that very thing that you think is not great. I'm going to use that to, to bring my message to my people. And they'll probably realize that it's coming from him, not from you. And that'll be really good. So, so anyway, being a Christian means giving our heart and mind to the king of hearts. We're being won over to him. And it's surrendering our hearts to him. There's a, a great psalm, Psalm 19. You can sit down and just, a, it only takes about three weeks and read Psalm 19, um, 119. It says, but let me just read a little bit of it. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have un- more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. They have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. And then he goes on, and this is um, in, in another psalm. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with him? My tears have been food day and night. While people are saying to me all day, where is your God? As a deer pants for water, my heart pants for you. Does that somebody sound like somebody who's just living a religious life? 
trying to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. You know, there's that part of me that when I listen to the Bible or read the Bible, and I, I usually listen now because you can. It's kind of cool. Did you know that? They have these things that are called cell phones, and you can actually download a Bible app on there. And they have like these. You can either get one with this guy with this really deep voice who talks like this, or you can get ones that are animated, and they go, and then the thunder came. <laughs> and they have like some sound effects guy. They're all kind of, none of them are really that great, but it's good to be read to, right? We, I do this animated one that's kind of funny sometimes because, you know, they, they'll have like, and then Moses said, thou shalt not pass. Oh, no, that's Gandalf. Never mind. Gandalf. Oh. Um, so anyway, but, you know, there's, there's, there's one thing to go, okay, I got my reading done for the day. Now God will be happy with me. But that isn't what it's about. What it's about is like, okay, God, I need you, and I want to connect with you. And I, I need you to fill me up. I need you to satisfy me. I need you to meet me where I am today. I need you, God. I need your help. I need your kindness. And we come to God, and we realize um, that, that the God that we're coming to is, is also humble. Do you remember when Jesus said, come to me all you who are labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you, and I will give you rest, for, for I am meek and humble, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am meek and humble. This is the God of heaven who, who literally calms the storm with a, with a word, who raises the dead with a word, who casts demons, a, a whole, who takes on a whole legion of demons by himself with just a couple words. Who when, when in John's gospel anyway, when they were trying to find out you know, when they were trying to, to arrest Jesus and they kept saying, which one is he? And Jesus would say, here I am. It, there was so much power emanating from him that the soldiers would fall down. And so after like the third time, they're like, they, they changed places with the guys behind him. Why don't you go up this time? This isn't fun. <clears throat> so there's somebody, here's somebody with this amazing power who literally could have, he said, called down a, 10,000 angels if you wanted to, but that isn't the way that he works. See, that's not the way our God works. And if you hear somebody teaching or preaching a different way, you, that's one of the ways you can tell that that's not God. If you hear somebody talking about, you know, how much God's going to do this and to that person and do this, it's like, no, no. God is in the business of restoring and redeeming and healing. It's amazing. Over and over again in Scripture, we, just, we hear that one of the most powerful people in the last century, in the 20th century, was, um, I'm going to try and say her real name, uh, I don't know if I can say it. Anyway, his mother Teresa, right, her, she has another name, Agnes, Ganji, something. Um, but anyway, 
she she was she was supposedly said this, but it was actually a quote from Helen Keller. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do great we can do small things with great love. And Saint Teresa of Avalia said, "Custom yourself continually to many acts of love, for they kindle and melt the soul." And Saint Teresa of L I S I E U X, you can say it. Said, without love, deeds, even the most brilliant, count for nothing. I was at, um, and I, you know, I hit, some ways I hate sharing some of this stuff because Jesus said, keep it a secret and then you'll be rewarded. And then when I use it in a sermon, I'm like, that there, I just lost my reward for that one. But anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in, I'm in line in, at Home Depot getting stuff to try and work on my car, which sounds weird to go to Home Depot to get stuff for your car, but, you know, when you hit that point with, with your cars where you just need axes and, and anvils and stuff like that. Um, so I'm just checking out, and there's this little old man right behind me, a little old African-American man, and he looked really feeble, and he looked like he'd been through maybe some cancer treatments or something. And he had just, he just had some some mulch, and, and he had grabbed himself. I had grabbed a Coke, and he grabbed a Coke, and I just said, you know what? Just pay for his, too. And the guy literally follows me up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I was like, you know, I'm glad to. I didn't, I didn't have to say a whole lot more. Small things done with great love transforms the world. And so we respond to them as one whose heart has been captured. And we, have, we, we recognize, as Paul says here, that we're doing battle with, with minds and hearts, that, that there are certain systems of thought that we all have that God is trying to work himself into and transform. Do you know? Do you know that you you don't always think right? Have you realized that yet? The way we think isn't always right, even though we think it's right. Teresa and I've run into this even in dialoguing between each other. We'll be like, "Well, that's not what happened," and she'll be like, "Yeah, that is what happened." I'm like, "No, no, no. This is how it went." And so we'll have this giant debate, you know, about something, and then we bring God in, and He's like. Let me show you what really happened. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, so he says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now he's not, talk, he's not talking about like a bunker, but it is a term that's used for a bunker, like a, a fortified place. And, and a lot of us in our lives have fortified places where it's really hard for God to get in. We have places in our life that we've walled off, that we built a cathedral in. And, we've, and we're like, I don't know if I want to let God in there. Great, this is kind of a cool picture of this, sort of. We have, I don't think he's not here today, but one of the people that is a dear friend of mine, and he doesn't mind if I share this, his name is Anil. And Anil is from India. He's from the southern part of India. 
And he started coming here with several other Indian people. And we actually, you don't see him as often here because we started a Friday night. I didn't start it. They started it. But um, a Friday night service um, from house to house. And they invite their Indian friends. And started out with about 10. Now there's about 60. It's really fun. And it's great Indian food. I love the food. Um, but they have me come and speak semi-regularly. And it's really an honor and stuff. But Anil, when he first came, he was... One of his girlfriend was named Swapna. And so they wanted to get married, and so they came to Teresa and I, and they said, hey, will you do our, our marriage? And I said, yeah, but I require pre-marriage counseling. They're like, okay. So, <clears throat> so we get together, and we're just, we're just going to start, and I'm trying to tell them about, you know, we're going to do this preparing rich thing, and we're going to do this and this. And they go, whoa. They said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we can get married, Anil has an older sister. She has to get uh, a visa to come over here and she has to have a job before it'll be okay for the family to let me, me get married or to let Anil get married. And I'm like, okay. So that whole, so our whole, that whole time was spent finding out about the cultural custom of that. So we're like, okay. So we prayed and, and I'm thinking, you know, this marriage ain't going to happen for a long time because you know how long it takes to get some of that stuff. If you've, any of you who've come from other countries, it takes a long time to get some of that stuff. And two weeks later, they come back. We got, she got the visa and she got the job. I'm like, really? So then we, we go, okay. That, and then they said, wait, 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 wait. Now we got to pray. I don't remember what the second thing was. It was some other thing had to happen. Oh, I think they were different in different castes in her in her. One of her family members or her dad or mom or his dad or mom or something had to be okay with it. And we're like, oh, okay. So we started praying. We come back the next week. Hey, they changed their minds. They're letting, and, that, and that kept going on. I mean, that, our whole premarital thing, we really, we tried to talk about like marriage stuff, but it, it was like, and, and part of the reason I'm sharing this is because I was a little bit mad at God because I thought, God, when I ask you for stuff, it doesn't happen that quick. Why are you doing it with them? But it was, it was funny. It was, just, it was amazing. But when I t- you know what's really cool about this whole story? When we started out, and Neil was like, you know, he told me this afterwards. It was probably three or four months in. He said, you know, Brent, when I fir- we first started meeting with you, I had all these different gods because he was Hindu. He said, and I had a God that our family worshipped, that we actually had a little altar in our, in our house. And he said, when we started doing this marriage thing and you started praying, he said, each, it was almost like somebody went and tipped over each of those gods. And he said, when, when some, one of the last things happened, he said, I took my family God and I just threw it out. And he said... Jesus is my God. And I was like, I was like, um, I turned around real quick and I thought there was a dog back there. I've been working outside too long. It's a guitar. Um, anyway, um, it was just amazing. We were astounded, but it was breaking down those walls. And Paul says, what Paul is dealing with here is this. And let me read um, a quote. It can be a, this is what our what our strongholds can be. 
It can be a worldview such as materialism, hedonism, Darwinism, secularism, relativism, communism, any of the isms. It can be a political party. They can all have mental strongholds that people set up against the knowledge of God. It can be a personal attitude, worry, seeking the approval of other people. Anything you make an idol in your life can be a stronghold. Anything that... If, if this happens to you, if somebody, you know, if, if you're a person who, if you don't get the approval of everyone, is crushed, guess who your idol is? Other people. Wouldn't it be nice to be in that place where, you know what, it doesn't, and, and I don't mean this in a, in, a, in a mean way. You don't want to be this in a mean way like, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. This is just what I, you know, because there are people that live like that who are kind of, they call them hermits. Um, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, like, we don't get, we don't immediately get defensive, or we don't immediately get whatever when somebody brings something to us that we're able to to humbly go, oh, okay, let me let me think about that. And if we don't agree, we can say, no, I don't think that's true, but I definitely will think about it. You know, so people pleasing can be a, a very strong thing in our life, needing the approval of others. For some, it's needing the approval of some authority in their life. I've had people over the years who <laughs> have come up to me really mad about something, and I'm like, after talking to them for about two minutes, I'm like, I don't think you're really mad at me. Who are you really mad at? And they're like, my dad. I'm like, okay. And I remind you of your dad. <laughs> I get that. I'm kind of bald, a little overweight, you know. So. Goes on and he says, anything that you make an idol in your life can be a stronghold. Fear, guilt, resentment, insecurities, all these can be strongholds. And the Bible says we are to tear them down. And God is in process of, through his meekness and gentleness and kindness, he's in process of tearing them down. And the weapons we have are not physical weapons. Paul says they're spiritual and they're made for destroying the strongholds and the other things. And the, and the, and the ultimate goal of God in this whole thing is to, um, to get us to that place where our obedience is complete, where we have literally become the horse that when God pulls a little bit, we respond. Let me just close with this. What are your strongholds? What thinking is God asking you to surrender to him? First, God's words have divine power to destroy strongholds. Every fortified city had strongholds, bulk works that were particularly impregnable. Strongholds refer to the central argument that fortifies his opponent's message. Paul's gospel has divine power to demolish impregnable arguments. God demolished in my mind and in my life my, what I thought were impregnable arguments against him. 
And you may have people in your life that you think, there's no way God's going to get through those walls. And you know what? There's some of you here today who have people that you think, there's just no way. The walls are too thick. And God says, our gospel has divine power to demolish those things. Demolish them. The military metaphor expands to destroying high towers and ramparts. We destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. Literally, we destroy every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God. He's not saying, and, and this is uh, D.A. Carson points out, Paul's language of destruction here is not, is not about winning arguments and debates. He's not saying we should go out and fight with people in the streets about arguments and debates. He means something far more. His weapons destroy the way people think, demolish their sinful thought patterns, the mental structures by which their lives are lived in rebellion against God. In God's own world, his words, his spiritual weapons tear down every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God. Paul is referring to the citadels of sin in our lives, every high thing, every haughty thought, every action that forms a barrier to the knowledge of the living God. Happily, the gospel destroys the high things lifted up against the knowledge of God. Paul declares in Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he already explains it in 2 Corinthians. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And as God first spoke in creation and said, let there be light in all of our lives, at one point he said, let there be light. And suddenly we saw. And he began, and began that work of tearing down. And he's still doing that work of tearing down things that don't look like him and don't look like us. So Jesus, would you come right now? And just... I pray for right now, Lord, for, for, for things in people's lives that they feel like, I don't want them to touch that. Keep your hands off that, God. Jesus is coming. I see him knocking at the door. It's really funny. There's a passage in Revelation. that says, behold at the door. I stand at the door and knock. And whoever answers, I'll come in and have, I'll eat with them. And I think he's, he's knocking at places in your, your heart, in your life. And I'm just going to say, let him in. And he's going to burst through those. And I feel like he, he has some deep hope for some people that think like, this way of thinking, this process is never going to get better. It's like, no, you don't understand how powerful his words and his gospel are. They demolish strongholds. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. It's not just the word of salvation. It in itself carries power enough to resurrect Jesus, to resurrect these broken bones, to raise us all up one day and to one day make this whole world new and whole and complete. Amen. Sorry if I was sleepy today. Hey, if you want prayer, come on up. It's a good day to get prayer.